Your BFF Podcast. I'm Mel, and I'm about to become your best fucking friend. Joining me today, and she'll be joining the ranks of the BFF Club, I'm pretty sure after you listen to this interview, uh, is Miss Casey Maine, the author of I Gave Up Men for Lint, the story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl's search for meaning. Welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you. I am so excited about this. When I read your book, I literally, I think I emailed you at like midnight. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I literally just read this entire thing today and I need to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, your email was like the greatest thing to wake up to. Awesome. Awesome. Before we start talking about the book, I'm always curious when I talk to other authors to find out what you're reading right now. Oh, so I I just finished um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, oh, and love. then I just started. Um, it's it's a really it's going to be a really deep book. It's by Michael Singer, okay. um, who is the author of two other books that I love. One, The Untethered Soul, and then his other one is The Surrender Experiment. And this book um, is called The Search for Truth. So okay. it's going to get really deep with like biology, psychology, um, Eastern and Western religious philosophies, kind of trying to look at, is everybody actually saying the same thing? Okay, okay. No, I love it. Something that you kind of talked about in your book was your affinity for motivational YouTube videos and podcasts. So tell me some of the ones that you're loving right this second. Uh, so I'm I'm a big podcast person. I don't do the YouTube videos as much. That was... When I started listening to those in the book, that was really different for me. I hadn't really been at all interested in the personal development world by any means. So that was even kind of a, a, a stretch for me. But then I moved into podcasts. And so some of my favorites are um, Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. I love those. I love um, The Lifestylist with Luke Story. He's got a great um, variety of guests. And then um, I, I used to listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss, not as much anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm big into in terms of like health stuff, like the biohacking world. So I love Dave Asprey and his Bulletproof podcast. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm all over the place. I love it. Have you ever listened to Jay Shetty's podcast? No, but I know who he is. And I think I follow him on Instagram. I think I've heard him interviewed, but I don't know that I've ever listened to his actual podcast. It is so good. <laughs> I want him to put one out every single day, just so I can start my day with that. It's He's just like his voice is, first of all, just gorgeous anyways. But his content is so motivational and inspiring. And just, oh, I just love him. He's great. That's awesome. I'll check it out. I found I'm I'm sure you found this too. Like there's so many good ones. Yes. It's all it's like it's a matter of finding time to it listen is. to all of them. And that was the thing that I, I have to say I liked about his like I don't listen to his um the ones where he does interviews. I have to kind of break those up, but he'll do these like kind of episode lets that are like 25 to 30 minutes long. Nice. That's just kind of easy listening. Um and that's usually how I wake up on Sunday mornings, but it was funny. I started listening to his podcast like about a month ago, but when I read your book, I was like I feel like she would like Jay. <laughs> like, they just should be friends. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, I'd love to. Jay, call me. <laughs> okay. So I am super excited to talk to you about this because I feel like your book kind of came along at like, I read it at the exact right time. Like, I, And after reading your book and, ta- and hearing you talk about how the universe kind of gives you messages kind of, and, or, you know, and these signs, and yes. I felt like 
this your book was one of those for me. So I'm super excited uh, about this. Um, I love that. In your book, you say, I feel like I've lost control of my life. Like I go where I'm wanted, not where I want to go. This is my attempt mm-hmm. to gain some of the control back to hopefully figure out how I, me, myself, and I only can make myself happy. And I think that a lot of people embark on a journey of self-discovery after a kind of a major event, uh, like a straw mm-hmm. that broke the camel's back. But for you, that wasn't quite the case. So tell me a little bit about how this all began for you. Yeah, it, it really... It- you know, the, the original decision was based on, you know, men and relationships that had gone right. wrong. And, and that's really was my focus. But what I end up figuring out in the book, as you know, is that the whole thing was really much bigger than that. And it wasn't so much just about men, but more the fact that I wasn't being true to who I really was because I was so focused on what other people expected or wanted me to be. And, especially in relationships, but again, not just romantic relationships, like my family relationships as well. Like I, you know, I just, I wanted to make people proud and I wanted to make people happy. And I wanted to, you know, have the life that had kind of been planned out for me. And I started to, I just ignored those little inner feelings and gut feelings that maybe this wasn't right for Mm -hmm. me. And, you know, it's difficult to decipher that, especially when, like the options you're choosing are all by all societal standards, like good options. So it's not like I, I had a bad life by any means, but I did make some very poor relationship decisions. So that's why that one kind of, you know, rose to the top of the pile and and got all the attention at first was like, Oh, like what, why do I keep putting myself in these relationships that are, are not working? And really the big theme for me was I wasn't being put first, which, you know, I realized towards the end of the book that I wasn't putting myself first. So that was just very much reflected in in my relationships. But yeah, the whole self-discovery process really came after just, I would say, close to 10 years of, of, bad relationships. Not a lot, but I, I spent a lot of time in, in these relationships that just weren't, weren't good for me. Um, so it really just eventually it took its toll. And that's why I decided to take a break from all of it. Right. Uh, so now for some of the people who haven't already read the book, which I'm hoping that they will read it after this interview, because it's just it's so fascinating. Break it down a little bit for us about some of the things that you gave up for Lint and how that affected what this book came to be. <laughs> yeah, so I gave up uh, the I, original idea was to give up men for right. life, which is why it's the title. And then as I was thinking about that, I'm like, oh man, I'm really just going to look like this super jaded like man hater, which is not <laughs> what I was by any means. So I was like, let me throw in a couple other things just to you know take the spotlight off the fact that I've given up yeah. men. Um, so I included social media which I had given up before. I don't know if I had given up for Lent, but I'd given up for different stretches of time because as I'm sure everyone at this point in time has, has realized you can get sucked into yeah. it is, is one thing. But another thing is it doesn't always make you feel good about yourself because everybody is posting nothing but happy yep. things. You know, no one is posting pictures of themselves when they're, you know, crying alone on their couch, like drowning their sorrows in ice cream. And, 
And so it just, it kind of can create this keeping up with the Joneses of happiness type thing. And at my age at the time, I was 32 and I was single and very far from, you know, marriage or kids or any of that happily ever after stuff in, in my near future. My feed was just full of engagements and babies being born and weddings. And I was like, oh, God. So I just, I decided to, to take that, you know, off of my plate for a while as well. And then I included hard liquor and that I've, as stated in the subtitle, um, I've always been a little bit of a, of a party girl. I like to go out and, um, you know, have some drinks and, you know, bar hop and all that stuff. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just reached this point where the next day I would always regret it. Not that I necessarily made bad decisions, but I felt like crap because as you get into your thirties, hangovers just really start to become no joke and (laughs) right it's like it's like multiple days all of a sudden like one night knocks you out like a weekend and then even into a Monday oh you're so not kidding (laughs) yeah and then they also they in addition to physically feeling bad I would I would emotionally feel bad like I would just feel kind of sad and and depressed and me and my friends would joke about it like oh it's like you know the post-drinking depression and I'm like that's maybe not a good thing so I thought okay if I give up hard liquor that eliminates my my vodka water drink that I love so much which can get me into trouble because I don't realize how quickly I'm drinking it and then what was the other thing oh then I gave up sweets um and that was really because from just a health standpoint um, I had a I had a cruise in the spring with friends from school, and so I wanted to see if I could get down below a certain body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. And I have a major sweet tooth, so I I threw those in as well. So all of Lent was giving up men, social media, hard liquor, and sweets. Awesome. Okay, and yeah. during that journey, you kind of set some. Uh, new habits, I guess, for yourself. I mean, I know you were you were working out regularly, which I know you were doing that before, but I think you made it even more of a priority, you know, that not doing social media, writing daily, all of these things. Mm-hmm. How have those gone to affect your life now? So I still, so after the Lent, um, I I really, I realized a lot about my relationship with alcohol um, throughout the process of the book. And so actually after Lent, I quit drinking for like nine months just to give myself a reset. Um, And so now I just think I have a much, I would say a healthier relationship with alcohol where I can, you know, if people around me are having a drink, I decide like, do I really want to have a drink at this moment? Or is it just because everybody else is doing it? I don't drink, I mean, as much, you know, in any given night. So then I'm better the next day. And and so that that relationship for me has changed um, my relationship with alcohol, for sure. I, I am continuing to write, I don't journal like I did throughout the mm-hmm. book. And I probably should, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of been now I've been trying to get a lot of like freelance writing going and writing different, you know, articles and stuff to try and send to different publications. So I am writing and I'm still thinking a lot in in terms of the the type of stuff I wrote in the book, but, um, it's just a different form of writing. Um, I still watch the sunrise every chance I can get. Um, I still listen to, well, like we talked about now, their podcasts instead of the, the YouTube videos, um, over watching TV, you know, I don't, I don't watch a lot of, of TV. I'd rather spend that time listening to podcasts or reading or, um, during the book, I took a lot of walks on the beach. I haven't been doing that as much. I I probably need to get back into that as well. 
Um, but I think all those habits for me, like that, I, that I instilled during Lent was just this focus on spending some time doing things that make me feel good. And now I'm just much more aware of that. So if I don't spend the time doing that, whether it be, you know, a walk on the beach, um, just spend some time like sitting and thinking, um, you know, attempting to meditate. I still, I'm not the world's greatest meditator, but <laughs> who is, um, or reading or listening to podcasts or whatever. If I, if I don't put that time into myself, I, I feel it. Sure. Like I, I absolutely feel it. And now I'm just much more aware of okay. that. How did this affect your dating life going forward now that you, you know, kind of have a better, a better idea of what you really want out of life? Uh, yeah, the book really just showed me uh, all my patterns. And, you know, it's like you think you know them, but then when you write out all your relationships in, in written form, it's, I mean, they are just really staring you in the face. So I didn't, I didn't date for a while because um, I think I, I think I was a little bit afraid to and because I I didn't necessarily trust that I had really broken all my my patterns. And and then I reached this point, which I think is a crucial point for anybody who's single. And it's like I just I I eliminated that like that need to have a, a boyfriend or a husband mm-hmm. or whatever, but it wasn't in a negative sense. Like I'm not getting married. I'm anti-marriage. Like, you know, I don't need a man type of like negative connotation behind that. It was more, I got to a place where I realized like I'm enough Yes. on, on my own. Like I'm, I'm happy. I can make myself happy. Like I, my happiness is not dependent on anybody else or any relationship status or, you know, any marital status. And I I think that was like a really important point for me to get to so that I could then even entertain the idea of opening my heart up to somebody else because it's like I had finally made myself whole, which I had never even really focused on doing before because I wasn't aware that I wasn't. Right. Well, and I think, you know, something that you you brought up a a little bit earlier, too, um, and it was something that you brought up in the book that I absolutely love, because I think especially as women, we have a tendency to do this, but we're kind of people pleasers. And like, you know, you Mm -hmm. were kind of upholding the visions that, you know, maybe your family had for you or even your friends or whatever. And you instead kind of took that power back and, you know, took control of your life again. And I think that's so awesome. Um, But uh, as far as that goes, did anybody in your life have any like a hard time with any of the changes that you made? Oh, yeah. I think I think we have a hard time when people in our life that we're close to change in any capacity, Mm -hmm. even if it is for the good, because we we get so attached to like who somebody is and. And and any kind of change in that regard is is uncomfortable. I think for for everybody involved. And so yeah, especially like when I quit drinking, um, you know, after after the Lent, that was that was really difficult for um, my good friends to understand. It was weird for my family, and not that you know I don't have a, a family of alcoholics by any means. It was just you know that's something social we all all do together. Sure. And I, I talk about that in the book. So you know that was uncomfortable. Even when I would tell them, because I mean, after Lent, you know, it took me months to finish the first official draft of the book. So 
I turned down a lot of social gatherings and, and wasn't able to make it to some, you know, family get togethers because I was writing. And I think at first everyone was like, what? Like you're writing and, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you're going to write a book. Like, okay, you know, sure you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took a long time for people, I think, to understand that I was, I was serious about this. Um, but ultimately what I found is as soon as everyone started to realize that I was just happier, just innately happier, and they could feel that, like every time I hung out with people, then people started to understand and accept a little bit more kind of the the ways in which I was changing my life. That's fantastic. I, well, I remember there was a yeah. conversation you'd had with your sister where, you know, she was excited about your writing as an outlet, but, she, you know, she didn't want it to stress you out. But it was because mm-hmm. she didn't fully understand your goal and, you know, why this was making you so happy. Um, are there any relationships that you had in your that you have in your life or had in your life that were ne- like very negatively affected where maybe they read something that they didn't love about them? Maybe uh, certain guys. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I'm not in contact with most okay. of the of the guy characters. Okay. So I'm sure they're not real thrilled about it if they know about it. Um, but I really I I hope it didn't ruffle too many feathers because I really tried to approach all of it from you know it's just it's my story. It's Absolutely. not about them. Like it was it was about me and and my side of it. And it was a very tough read for certain people in my life. It was a very difficult read for my mother. It was a very difficult read for my sister. Um, Even some of my mother's close friends, Um, you know, everyone was very supportive, but it was just, it was, it was hard for them to read that. And what I love most though, and my dad said this, you know, because people have said to him like, Oh, like, well, you know, your daughter wrote this book. Like how, how do you feel about this? It must be so difficult. And he's like, we all lived this. He's like, it was more difficult to live through it all than it right. was to read it in a book. Like, it's not like she, you know, it's not like I spilled anything they didn't already know. I mean, there were some parts they didn't know, but ultimately like this, this was my life that we all had to go through and and the arguments and the struggles and the distance that I talk about in the book, like all that really happened. Yeah. And while it was an uncomfortable read for some people, it ultimately sparked really important conversations. And so we all, you know, we, we talked about it and I had conversations with, with, you know, my parents, with my sister, um, you know, with, with some of the, the male characters in the book and it, and it ultimately got all of us to a, a closer place because it was, um, just a lot more was out in the open, I guess. Right. Well, and I'm sure, you know, obviously they, they always wanted what was best for you, your, your, you know, your mom and dad. And I'm sure that that was, Maybe a little difficult for them to hear that, you know, maybe you weren't living the life that you wanted because you were doing what they wanted. And obviously that's, you know, that's not what they want. Right. But how do you think that we can better help people understand our goals and and ask for support? Uh, so that it's it's tough. And and to be honest, I I still struggle with it because that urge to please others especially people that care about you and you know, they want the best for you. Like, you know, they have good intentions. It's, it's very easy to kind of lose like sight of your own voice and just kind of listen to, to what other people think is best for you. So I, 
what I try and do is anytime somebody is, you know, kind of talking to me or giving me advice or we're talking about life is I try and just create a little bit of space before I react to things. Cause just kind of taking that one like simple little pause and not necessarily just immediately reacting. It just, it can, it helps me a lot in terms of, okay, I'm taking their opinion into consideration and how do I feel about it? And then react as opposed to, you know, kind of just immediately going along with what they say or immediately becoming defensive, which is a lot of what I used to do. So it's kind of getting to this place of understanding somebody else is going to have their opinion and that's totally fine. And so you accept their opinion and what they're saying. Like there's no need to fight it or get defensive about it. It's, it's more, you know, okay, I get it. I totally see where you're coming from. And then, you know, depending on the conversation and depending on who the person is, you know, you can just explain to them how you feel and why. And then really, I think just being honest and just directly asking for that support, which I didn't typically do. And I think that came from like this, I'm, you know, this strong, independent person and I don't need help type of thing. But asking for support is, is, is I think a a crucial thing. It is. Um, But why do you think it's so much easier for us to just live our lives according to what other people think is best for us versus doing that? Because it is, it's so much easier. And, it's, it you know, the, the path of least resistance, I guess, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. it's ultimately, it's, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to use an analogy that I hope doesn't like offend anybody. But it's, if you do what everyone is expecting you to do, you're, you know, you're, you're staying in the herd. Right. And it's really safe in the herd. Like that's where everyone's going. You know, it's a well-worn path. You can kind of, you've got all these people saying, oh, this is how it's going to happen. This is what life is going to be. This is what's going to make you happy. And that all might be true. And that life might be fine for you. But if you feel an urge to leave the herd, it's scary because it's all unknown. You don't have as many people saying, oh yeah, well, this is what happened to me and blah, 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 Mm blah. When you do, it's usually, you know, like ridiculously famous or successful people. So immediately your brain is like, well, I can't do that. I'll never be able to be that person. And we tend to cling more to the negative and the scary things. But there's this um, essayist who I love, and I've quoted him in in several different interviews. His name is Pico Iyer. I think I'm saying Mm -hmm. that right. And and I heard him say this, and it was in some podcasts, and I freaking loved it. He said, the what ifs point in both directions. And it's so true. true. Like, so when we, when we're, when we're kind of deciding what to do with a life or any decision to make, you know, the what ifs point in both directions, we tend to focus more on the scary and the negative outcome. Like, well, what if this happens? What do I do if this happens? But the opposite, what if is is just as possible. And it's kind of like, you only know what's going to happen if you do it. And And ultimately, at this point in time, kind of what I tend to say is like, we should all go after the life that we really want. And maybe we don't get it exactly how we, you know, kind of plan it out or or want it to go. But from my perspective, it it makes for a more interesting story at, at the end of the day. You know, there's all those sayings that you regret more things you didn't do than things you did. And, and I would hate to be, you know, a little old lady looking back and thinking, I wish I would have written that book or I wish I would have published that book or I wish I would have, you know, really gone for it and tried to be a writer and just, you know, see if I could do it. Right. Instead, I've just decided I'm, I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust that, you know, I'm smart enough to, 
to figure it out. Maybe it won't be a career as a writer, you know, in, well into my, you know, old age, maybe who, who knows, but I'll figure it out step by step. Well, and that was something I loved about your story was how ingrained your goals were in you for so long, like to become a writer, um, even though it took you a really a while to realize that. Um, oh, yeah. What would you just say to somebody that's just out here trying to figure out what their purpose is? Yeah, so there were two parts in the book that I think can lend a lot of insight to this. One where I, I kind of talk about when you were a kid, you used to say, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what were those answers? Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of insight in those answers. And maybe it isn't exactly what you said, you know, like if you wanted to be um, – you know, like a a fairy princess or something. (laughs) But like, if you look at whatever those answers were, I think that can kind of tell you a lot about what are your driving forces in, in life and in terms of happiness. And then the other one is, and this happened in the beginning of the book, and I, I was taking a walk on the beach and kind of just thinking back through different random memories that I still had. And like, what did those mean? Because if you think about all the moments we've had in our life up until this point in time, I mean, there's, there's countless, yet we have, we remember some moments and we don't remember the majority of others. So I kind of believe if you remember it, there's a reason for that. Like there's some kind of insight into you in that memory. And maybe it's, you know, a memory that helps you understand where some of your issues with self-esteem or or whatever it may be come from, or maybe it's a memory that helps you understand what really makes you happy. So like a lot of my memories were, you know, enjoying analyzing life with my cousin when she was talking about her friend's relationship Mm -hmm. or, you know, making people laugh or encouraging people to, you know, run a half marathon or do something they had never done before. And so just kind of looking back at those little traits and then, and then trying to figure out what they're what they tell you about yourself, I think are, that's like two ways that really helped me identify what it is I really want out of my life. What do you think are some ways that we can all better live our lives in alignment with our purpose? Oh, so I think that completely depends on what your purpose is. I, I like in the book, my purpose that I identified was relatively specific, but not not too specific. So I think kind of the broader you can make your purpose, the the bigger it is, and then the easier it is to kind of live within it. Sure. So, you know, right now, I'm really focused on um, finding inner bliss. And so I mean, that, I mean, that that could take all kinds of forms, but it's something that I can apply to every single decision that I make. Like this either, you know, brings me inner happiness or it doesn't. So I think if you, if you don't really know what your purpose is to begin with, but you start with some broad kind of bigger things, you can narrow from there. Absolutely. What does inner bliss mean for you? Inner bliss for me means like those moments of just like sheer happiness. I mean, like you feel it in your body happiness. And I don't, I don't experience that often because I mean, I'm, I'm happy the the majority of the time, like surface level happy, but kind of just that, that more physical, like feel it like in your heart, like there's no stress, there's no anxiety, there's no worry, there's no fear of anything. Like you're just 
completely in the current moment and happy. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to that on a, on a more regular basis. And I know that really comes down to removing all the different anxieties or or fears that we have and all the negative self-talk. And, you know, that starts with being aware. We have to be aware of our thoughts and our feelings. And, and that in itself is, is not easy. And I think for me, the book was the beginning of that process of becoming more aware of my thoughts and my emotions and the fact that I was allowing them to make me unhappy. That was something that I loved. It was probably the thing I loved the most about your journey and reading about it is it was your ability to just own your own shit, honestly. I mean, um, I think especially right now, it seems like toxic people like that's kind of like a buzzword you know we're we're removing Mm -hmm. toxic people from our lives right now and and obviously like there are truly toxic people but I think so often referring to somebody as toxic it can kind of be inaccurate and it removes any responsibility from our part of the relationship and what we Mm -hmm. had contributed to that and if we're constantly taking that victim role we're not really thinking about the things that we may have done to contribute to that so why do you think it is so important to identify your own shit? Yeah. So I think that you have to own it. Otherwise, it owns you. And what I mean by that, like, is if, and I don't mean like be, you know, go flaunt, and like be super proud of all, you know, maybe the mistakes you've made, but just own up to them and, and own up to your decisions. Because otherwise, you end up kind of navigating your life, almost trying to hide them. And, and you're right that like we, we play the victim card almost because we think that's easier. Like, oh, well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. But you're then just giving away your power completely. And like, why, why would we want to do that? Absolutely. Why do we not want power? But it, I don't know why we've gotten into this kind of blame game. And I think maybe it's, we look at it as easier because if we aren't the ones making the decision and and owning our life. And we're the ones like, if we're the ones with the power, then we're the ones that could fail. Absolutely. So it's easier to kind of give away your power and be like, well, it's that person's fault. But I I think at at our deepest level that that makes us unhappy. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, you kind of identified yours by the process of journaling for this book. But Mm -hmm. how can basically any of our listeners, how can we better identify our own shit? I, I'm a big fan of journaling, even though I, I admitted earlier on the <laughs> show, I, I'm not currently doing it. But I, I do believe in it because it is a safe space to write out whatever it is that you're thinking, whatever it is that you're feeling, and and get it out of your head. And you know, you, nobody has to turn it into a book like I did. Um, it can always live just safely and secretly on your computer or in your nightstand or, or wherever you're going to journal. Because I think, you know, we all have, we have so many like thoughts and our feelings that, that are happening like up in our minds at, at any given moment. Like we're very, very busy and everything is interconnected. And so you can sit and think through it and think that you're sorting through it and you are at some level, but there's something different about kind of taking all those thoughts and articulating them into sentences and then kind of reading back through it. And, and you're able to connect some dots that you might not be 
able to, like if you're just thinking through it because our mind moves so fast. So I, I'm a big believer in, in journaling. Um, and then you just have to be honest while you're doing it though. And that was hard. And I would catch myself, especially at the point when I realized, okay, this could be my book. I would catch myself kind of start to stop and, or, or rephrase something and be like, oh, I can't say that because, you know, that'll hurt this person's feelings or this is going to make me look whatever and I'm going to look ridiculous. And, and I, it's like I almost I started to try and filter it based on being afraid of what other people would think or how other people would react. And that's where you've got to stop yourself and like remove all those filters and just be blatantly honest with yourself. Absolutely. And and I love that about and I don't want to give anything away from the book. I'm specifically not mentioning these things. But there are some things <laughs> in the book that, you know, you admitted to doing or being a part of. And you could have easily reframed that to make yourself out oh, to yeah. be the victim in that situation. But you didn't you owned your shit. And I love where you came out on the other side of it. Yeah, it was really and it, the whole process like, was just so rewarding for me on a, on a personal level because you know writing it was one thing like just writing out all of my stuff and all of that journaling was extremely helpful for me to to better understand myself and then as i went through like the editing process and you know i would have you know cuz i had friends and family read drafts and people be like are you sure you want to say this or you know are you and, and you know And so it was just test after test of, am I going to stick to my true story or am I once again going to kind of let other people's reactions or fear of what other people's reactions dictate what I'm going to do? So it was like test after test to be like, nope, this is my story. This is what I feel strongly about. Like, this is what I'm I'm putting out into the world. Um, And then leading up to publishing it, you know, that's when it was kind of like, okay, now it's, you know, fear after fear after fear and just push through it. Um, so it really, it was really a, 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 a absolutely a life changing process for me. That is so awesome. And publishing this book was one of your goals. Um, you know, that was to be an author was one of your goals. And you had, you know, several mm-hmm. others um, going to Africa and um, mm-hmm. being on the Today Show. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, so I haven't gotten that one yet, <laughs> but I'm trying. Well, uh, I don't know that this podcast is going to be the one that's going to help you. I don't know if we have enough listeners for that, but uh, I will, I will tweet Hoda know. like mad. Like, I love Hoda. Yeah, Hoda's like my dream BFF. Know. One of your listeners might have, you know, you never know. Please help me out. Hoda, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Jenna. Right. Oh, my gosh. I love them so much. So what's kind of next for you now that you've you've accomplished this goal? I know that you the way you left it in the book, you were going to be going to Africa. Did that trip actually Mm -hmm. that happen? It it did. Yes. Yes. I went to Africa. It was amazing. I would I would absolutely go back um if i have the chance or or hopefully i do i mean it was it it was an amazing experience has this brought about any other new goals that you want to achieve um no i wouldn't say any new big ones like right now i'm really trying to really just make it as a writer and for the first time in my life i don't have you know a set income or like a set safe plan. Like my whole life had gone from, you know, I had a job and then I didn't leave that job until I had another job. And so everything, I always knew exactly like how much money I was going to have coming in, what I was doing the following day and, and, and all of that. And so all of that certainty is removed from my life, which has been scary at times, sure. but I, I see that as a, as a growing experience. Um, 
so I, so I'm really trying to both promote the book, but then also get into some freelance writing. Um, I might start my own podcast. That's something I've been very seriously looking into. Um, and then I'm also, I, I, I want to start maybe doing more events and whether that be, you know, public speaking yeah. or, um, book signings or, or whatever it may be, book readings. So I've, I'm talking to, um, a couple different people about that. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just literally, I'm just figuring it out as I go. Um, I don't, I can't say that I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm trusting, you know, myself and, you know, listening to little, little signs from the universe yeah. and I'm just figuring it out. Um, I love how in the book, you know, you, you weren't, you were kind of on the fence about that whole laws of attraction thing in the universe and everything. And I love how that kind of came full circle. <laughs> it totally was. And that's been so interesting to me. I really think things that we have just some, you know, really strong aversion to for no reason, like I did about, about, you know, the secret, I, I think there's insight in that as well. And I, I, I don't know. I just, why, you know, why did I, why did I hate that so much? Why was I so against it? And then now at this point in time in my life, I'm like, oh, maybe there really was something to that. Like, I don't think that's coincidence. I think, um, I think there's insight in the things that we, that we have such a strong aversion to. And, and, you know, I, I, I think it could be that it's hitting something in us. It's triggering something in us that we're like defending against, but Whatever that something in us is, I think deserves a, a little bit of analysis. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, is is there possibly another book on the horizon? I hope so. So I, I would love to write another book, um, especially I, I know I've heard from people who have read it. It, it definitely ends with a little bit of a cliffhanger. So I know a lot of people want, want to know the answer to like one specific question. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I... I just, you know, right now I'm in, I'm in really in trying to promote this book because um, I want it to be successful Absolutely. and I want it to reach a level of success that would warrant a second book. But even so, I'm, I'm sure I'll write it just for the, you know, the my own therapy. Absolutely. Well, I hope that you will publish that one as well because <laughs> this one, <laughs> I will. I is fantastic. Will. <laughs> was how, what was that process like for you? Because I mean, it wasn't like you had a background in publishing. Like, I mean, you, you just went no. all in. Yeah, I I did. And that I mean, really, from the get go of this, I've just been figuring it out step by step. And and I talk about that a little bit in the book. And because if I didn't do that, and this is what I would recommend for anybody who wants to take on a, a big change in their life or a big challenge, like, yes, you have to do some level of planning. But if you live or think too far in the future, it gets too scary and it gets too overwhelming because there's too many question marks. Like we only do things one step at a time. So only ever really think of the next step. So while I was writing it, I mean, I knew I had no idea about the publishing world, but I was just like, I'm going to table that until I'm done writing it. Like right now I'm trying to get a first draft done. Like the time to freak out about how to publish a book is not now. And then when I thought about, okay, then it became time, like, all right, figure out the different publishing options and what's best. And then I just research into that. But at the same time, I could have been freaking out about marketing the book or the thought of actually putting it out into the world. But it's like, no, that's not what I'm doing right now. All I'm doing is researching how to publish a book. So if, if we really just kind of stay in that mindset of, okay, what is the next step? And then you take that next step and you're like, look, I'm okay. Everything's okay. Now, what is the next step? Like that makes 
all of these big challenges much more manageable. I think you just hit the nail right on the head. I think that that is one of the big reasons why people are so afraid to go for their goals because they do seem almost outlandish. It, like, well, pff, mm-hmm. like for me, like oh, I've always wanted to write a book as well. And so that's another thing like that you hooked me with like instantly. I'm like, oh, yeah. ears perked up. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, but you're going to regret telling me that because now I'm going to be like messaging you frequently. Are you writing? I, you writing? I hope you do, honestly, <laughs> because I need that. I need that in my life. I need those people to keep me accountable. But I think that's the thing is we look at these things and I, I like, I know for me, I look at it like, oh, how am I ever going to be like, Who's going to read it? Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. And that's the thing. Like, write it first and then worry about the rest of it. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that and that brings up a good point of like your people's your intention for whatever it is that you want to do. Like, what is behind that? Like, what is your why? Why do you want to do it? Like, I wrote this book because I, I had always wanted to write a book for no other reason than I had always wanted to write a book. And the the book that I wrote was really for me. It was my own therapy. And, and it wasn't until I started to share it with like friends and and family that I realized that I, I wasn't just telling my story. Like there were, there are aspects of it that are relatable in the same, that we're all experiencing, you know, whether it be um, in, in the world of romantic relationships or kind of navigating your relationships with your parents as you reach adulthood or, you know, your job and, and what brings you fulfillment and, and pursuing your passions versus, you know, kind of the, the, the everyday expectations of, you know, you choose a major and then you get a job in that major and, and all of that. So I, I but I initially wrote it not because I thought oh I want to be like a New York Times bestselling author I just I wrote it because it was important to me right absolutely no I I have to say you're I I love I do enjoy like you know self help kind of books and you know th- books about self discovery but nothing slapped me in the face more than where you said um, I began to uncover the fact that. Uh, you know, men weren't my problem. I was my problem. And I think it's whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is, if it, whether it's a man or if it's your self-confidence or your relationship mm-hmm. with your parents or whatever, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, like owning your own stuff. Like it just, I don't know. It just, it got me right in the feels because I'm like, I, oh, reco- yeah. <laughs> I recognize that I do the same thing, you know? Um, so I love that about you. Yeah, that actually, so I just now, I just, that just, connected some dots for me. That's probably why I hated the concept of the secret so much because it was triggering me in me this concept of like you're in charge of your own life, like you're in control, yes. but I wasn't living like that. So it was like nope nope nope, don't try and tell me that. Like I don't I don't want that responsibility. Absolutely. Well, it's so much easier to just be like, "Oh, well this is just happening to me" instead of you living your life, your life is just happening to you. Like you're just some, mm-hmm. I don't know, just a victim standing by watching it happen. And that's just not real life. We all have right. choices. Yep. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. The reason why you have published a book is because you wrote <laughs> during those 24 hours in the day. And, you know. <laughs> I did. I spent a <laughs> Yep, I spent a lot of weekends writing. I love that. And I love that you're still doing, you know, at least some of the things that you kind of, you know, started out with, with doing like the going, um, watching the sunrise and stuff like that to just make your life better and just enrich your life. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I guess you I guess you, you can't tell me. Can you tell me if you're dating anybody now? 
<laughs> I will tell you that yes, I am. I am dating somebody. Okay. Now, um, and it's it's very serious and it's going Great. very well. So, well, that's exciting. Yes. <laughs> that's very exciting. Like, yeah. You know what I want to know, but I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I won't ask. I'm not I will refrain. I will refrain. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. You guys will just have to read the book. Um, <laughs> and you can get that book on amazon.com kindle and audible and make sure that you're following casey on instagram twitter and facebook you can get her on instagram and twitter at casey main underscore right and that's k-a-c-i-e-m-a-i-n um make sure you're following her She's constantly posting motivational stuff. Like I just, I've already, like I keep sharing your quotes. Every time you you post one on Facebook, I'm like, yes, girl, that's what I'm talking about <laughs> right here. I absolutely adore you. I think you're fantastic. And I would love to have you come back uh, on the show and we can talk about life. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Absolutely. I'd love uh, to. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Casey. You're welcome. Thank you. Make sure to jump online and order your copy of I Gave Up Men for Lent, the story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl search for meaning today. By the way, if you are caught up on the podcast and you're following along on social media, then you've already heard the good news. Your BFF podcast is going live at the PodX convention in Nashville, Tennessee, at the convention center that is taking place May 31st, June 1st, and June 2nd. Our show will be on Sunday, June the 2nd at 3.20 p.m. on the MP3 Festival stage. But if you are a fan of podcasts, and I'm guessing that you are because you're listening to this, there are so many fabulous podcasts that are going to be represented there, including Pottercast, Hamilcast. Crime Writers On, Crime Junkie, and Undisclosed, and so many more. You can get the full lineup at podx.com. But in honor of this fantastic occasion, we want to give one lucky listener the opportunity to come and hang out at the convention on Saturday and Sunday, take in all the live shows, see the panels. So if you want to enter to win that ticket, all you have to do is email your first and last name, your phone number, and why you want to attend Pod X to your pod at gmail.com. If you don't get selected, don't worry, you can still get tickets by going to podx.com. And if you use code BFF, you'll get 10% off your ticket price. If you happen to be going to the convention, reach out, let us know. We'll absolutely love to connect with you while we're there. Make sure you're following the podcast at Your BFF Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also find me, Music City Mel, on all the socials as well. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next week.